This program is sponsored by Wicked, Chronic, and Natick, Massachusetts. Located on 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. If you need something for that special spell, go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. to life on Friday the 13th, there's going to be hell to pay. It's the perfect alibi for murder. Wax finger at the scene of the crime. A work of art by day, the work of the devil by night. I, I don't care if there's a cursed object involved, we've got to nail him and nail him now. Easier said than done. Dad, on Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, run for your life. And you are listening to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television series and the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. And I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And we continue our coverage of Friday the 13th, the series, with episodes 7 and 8. And we this will be the first episode that airs in August. So if you're tuning in to the podcast and you notice we didn't have an episode last week, it's because we're doing this show three weeks out of the month and the fourth week we won't have a show. Now, when the show happens to have five Fridays, which I believe the month of August does, we'll make it up as we go along and let you know on the Facebook page. But Mr. Zeneca has the episode synopsis for us for episode seven. Okay. Uh, episode seven, Wax Magic. Originally aired November 14th, 1988. Ryan and Jack are intrigued by a traveling wax museum that boasts an exhibit of axe murderess Lizzie Borden. Now, notice something about this episode I'm going to get right in the beginning and, and happen to mention. You you said, uh, who's in this episode? Ryan and Jack. No Mickey. No Mickey. Do you think she's recovering from her uh, botched romance? I hope so. Because <laughs> that's the only explanation I can think of, that, the reason why she's not here. Because she, is she even mentioned? No, no. They, they do mention her. They okay. mention that she, uh, where is it in my notes? Uh, I think they got a call from her at some point. Oh. It's a a throwaway line, whatever it is. Okay, but she's not really doing anything. No, no, no. Okay. The three main characters in the episode, uh, besides our two main characters, are Marie Chase, Aldwin Chase, and Danny. Um, uh, Marie Chase is played by Susan Hoffman, who we have seen before. Uh, She was previously in The uh, Baron's Bride. Oh, yes, yes. She was the ingenue for that one. Correct. And she had been on TV series such as uh, My Secret Identity, Millennium, and Slasher, which if you haven't checked it out, have not checked out yet, um, is worth checking out. Um, pretty okay show. Um, I think both seasons of Slasher are available on Netflix right now. Um, and she, she was also on Anne of Avonlea. I, I used to watch that show way back in the day. The... Um, uh, What's the politically correct term for Danny? Uh, little person. Little person, okay. Uh, little person is played by Von LaBelle. If, and now, maybe it's Yavon, but maybe I'm thinking it's Van, the Y being silent. I, I, think, I think it's actually Ivan. Ivan, okay. Um, who unfortunately passed away uh, June 2nd, 2014. I actually kind of remember hearing about that. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, but... Uh, he doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. His first ever role was on Friday the 13th, the series. And uh, he was in an episode of Kung Fu and uh, on an episode of Goosebumps. It's pretty much... Yeah, as, as the character Chip. Yeah, so his his IMDb list does not go that far. And then we have uh, Angelo Rizakos, who plays the husband in the episode. And he actually appeared 
as the electric uh, the electrocutioner um in um sorry Ellie Pittman in the electrocutioner um and he'll be in the long road I'm sorry he'll be in the long road home coming up and pretty much stopped acting after his career only goes from 1980 to 1990 and he was also on War of the Worlds which we keep going back to according to IMDb he's still alive today but no other information about him can be found okay well you know hopefully he's moved on to a better and brighter future yeah, I mean, at some point, these people quit acting and get, like, a law degree, or they get a, uh... You of know, course, you or, know, life goes on. Yeah, um, the guy who played Robin on the old Batman TV series is a real estate agent. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. The episode was directed by William Fruit, 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 um, who also directed, uh, over 20 episodes of Goosebumps. And, nice. uh, uh, at least, uh, uh, over half a dozen episodes of War of the Worlds, so, again, that whole syndicated thing seems to <laughs> constantly be there. Uh, I, I think we're just, this is a portent showing that we need to cover War of the Worlds. Yes, we will cover War of the Worlds at some point in the future. Um, and Carl Binder, we need to find out where he is and have him on the show, because he's written several episodes. Hello? Yes. Hello? Can you hear me? Hello. Okay. He's written several episodes, and uh, we've mentioned his name several times, connected to things like Houdini and Doyle, which I said we should cover, because it's a very quick show. is only on for ten episodes. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Quinn, Medical Woman, he was the executive producer on. Um, you know, he, he's worked on a lot of stuff, so we've we got to try and hunt that guy down. Uh, he's on upcoming episodes that we haven't gotten to yet, So, but he's already been in three, and he only did five of Friday the 13th, so we should try and reach out to him as quickly as we can before um, we get through season three, because I don't think he's back until season three. Okay. So Carl Binder is a guy that we will try and track down to have on the show. So maybe we can send a message to, to um, Jim and ask if he's, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Jim, and ask if he's aware of how to reach him. Oh, hopefully we can find someone. Yeah. So, Shall we get into the episode? Yeah, so we open up at a carnival, um, and any time I think of a carnival, I'm always reminded of uh, Summertime and The Lost Boys, because The Lost Boys takes place at a carnival. Oh, yeah. Opens. And aren't you doing a Lost Boys podcast at the moment? I'm attempting to get it started. Uh, I'm waiting to see, to get the thing plugged into the white website so I can start uploading episodes. Okay. Well, it'll be coming soon. So, what what is it, uh, Lost Boys... Five minutes or one minute? Lost minute? Boys Minute by Minute podcast. Uh, we'll be ah. covering five minutes of time at, of the Lost Boys. All right. Cool. Uh, this is really interesting because it's like a moving wax uh, museum in this carnival. And, you know, wax statues, they really need temperature control. So this is not a, a, an ideal situation for these wax sculptures. Um on the, in this episode, did you have this feeling that perhaps uh, the creation of the wax sculptures might have been part of the curse, but ended up not being so? But you know, I, that's the impression I got from just thinking, "Oh, wax museum." I, I kind of thought it was going to be like a waxed uh, figurine of somebody, some history's greatest person or something that was coming to life. But I thought that would be a little bit more ridiculous. But then. Uh, what we find out to actually be, which is also kind of silly, because I thought it was going to be the object being used to kill everybody. Yeah, yeah. The, this one, and also our, in our next episode, they're more accessories. Yeah, they're not like what the thing you think it is. It's like, oh, it's the axe. Oh, it's the dummy. No, not quite. No, it's the handkerchief. Yeah, handkerchief. the handkerchief. Which was owned by Lizzie, Bo Lizzie Borden? Yes, Lizzie Borden. I have some information on her if you're interested. <laughs> I mean, I think most people know Lizzie Borden is. Um, I mean, I, I live here in Massachusetts where her house is and where she supposedly committed her crimes. Um, I yes, mean, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. She was acquitted. Yeah. Uh, didn't Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched play her in a movie and she was, like, naked in it or something? Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, um, I heard there was like a Lizzie Borden, Lizzie Borden everywhere. Yeah, there's like a Lizzie Borden uh, movie starring Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched. Wow. Which yeah. a lot of people I, I mean, think were really like... Even a, there's even a CW Supernatural episode that features a Lizzie Borden-esque character. Yeah, and a lot of people like betray Lizzie Borden incorrectly because she's supposed to be like really young, not old. 
Yeah. And, Liz- yeah. and Elizabeth Montgomery would not have been very young to be playing this Lizzie Borden actress in the 1980s. Um, there's also, of course, uh, recently we had Christina Ritchie player for, I think, a TV series that got canceled. Oh, yeah. I don't know. How the hell are you going to make that into a TV series? I don't know. I mean, the court case was very dramatic back in the day. Yeah, but she was acquitted. Yes, she was. Did she have kids? Did she have a married? Did she ever get married? And uh, let's see. Um, she had a sister. Moved into a house, neighborhood of Fall River. He be- began using the name Elizabeth Borden. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Died of pneumonia June first, nineteen twenty-seven. No funeral details were published. They, um, if you go and stay at the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast, they, uh, mm-hmm. the price is not cheap. No, actually, my uh, brother and or future brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, they had their honeymoon and spent a night at the Lizzie Borden house as part of their horror culture route through Massachusetts. Oh, neat. Yeah. So that was that was very cool. They they sent pictures and they actually got one of the foam axes that they have as a you know a gift gift shop items. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Okay, you know I need I didn't want to bring this up and I was wondering when if there's any way I was gonna be able to bring this up. So, um, okay, so they're selling foam axes of Lizzie Borden's uh, alleged uh, murder of her parents and uh, one sibling. Right? Was there a sibling that got killed too? Uh, it's her mother and stepfather. Yeah. It was more than just... Oh, I thought there was more than two people. Because her older sister, Emma, uh, survived. Okay. So, her parents were killed, Mm -hmm. um, whacked up pretty badly with an axe. And they sell novelty foam axes in honor of this murder that happened a hundred years ago. Uh Uh-huh. Um, all right, so uh, Lizzie Borden is the creepy display in the wax museum. Um, the girl faints inside the uh, the the booth, the photo, the uh, the ticket booth, mm-hmm. and uh, the little guy Danny, um, who's kind of creepy uh, <laughs> at first, and then we find out later on what more is going on. Um, yeah, he's he's the observer. He's the observer. He's like noticing what's going on and is concerned. She uh she's whisked away by her husband to get better and then we cut over to what Ryan and Jack are doing. Ryan's on the phone and his date stands him up. Yes. And so Probably a good idea you will live longer if you stand up Ryan to Lion. Oh what? <laughs> Probably a good idea because you will live longer if you don't date Ryan. <laughs> oh yeah, poor guy. <laughs> um a notorious history popped... of dead girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one thing that just popped into mind, you know, so he invites Jack to come with him to the carnival. They go, and then immediately, as soon as he sees a cute-looking girl, he just leaves Jack in the dust, like like a poor wingman. Yeah, as soon as he sees that girl, he's immediately just like, oh, yeah, I forgot about the girl who stood me up, and, uh, oh, everyone else in my life. Oh, my God, this hot girl, i got to go chasing after her. <laughs> yeah, but this episode also has a pretty wild twist to it. Um, you know, if you haven't seen the episode, which I would hope you would by now, but the girl that ends up being the wife and also the love interest, you know, curiosity person for Ryan turns out to actually be a wax sculpture. Yeah, she's the um she's basically the uh assassin for the guy who runs the carnival. And, and so I, I was thinking about this the last couple of days, you know, piecing this together. How does this curse work? The handkerchief used to belong to Lizzie Borden. If the handkerchief goes on uh, I guess a figure of some sort, uh then you could uh, bring something to life slowly over time, or your it brings something to life for a short period of time and then has to kill again to renew it. 
in the um, TV series uh, Supernatural, Sam and Dean uh, go to a uh, wax museum that uh, famous wax figures, wax figures based on famous people are killing, uh, killing uh, their fans. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, it's Gandhi. It's um, uh, it's it's uh, uh, James Dean's car. Um, and then it's Paris Hilton, and then uh, they find out it's a go it's a goddess who's basically not getting the power that she would get from being worshipped anymore. So she takes the forms of these uh, famous celebrities, and uh, that's how she gets her power from people worshipping them. Um, and they actually got Paris Hilton to play herself in that. Oh, so Paris Hilton is just as waxy as she is in real life. Uh, I guess so. Uh, Paris Hilton hasn't been in the news enough, like at all in the last almost think I think like ten years since the episode aired that it probably really wouldn't seem to matter. She she doesn't really have a lot of uh, acting chops. But they made a joke about Wax House of Wax the remake, which starred uh, the actor who plays Sam on Supernatural. And Dean said that he's never seen it before. And Sam looks at him and goes, "Dude, like that's my movie." <laughs> Uh -huh. And Paris Hilton was also in that movie. Oh yeah, she was. Yeah, and I the, prefer the Vincent Price version. I do too, but I do love what the filmmakers did for that movie. The fact that they they it was leaked uh, early that Paris Hilton was going to get killed in that movie, and this was at the point of like she was like the height of her mispopularity, or you know, mm, um, her infamy. Yeah, her infamy, and uh, so a lot of people went to go see the movie to see Paris Hilton get offed. And just before she gets killed, like maybe you know a couple scenes before she gets killed, she reveals to her boyfriend that, that she's pregnant. So now that you've been rooting for Paris Hilton to get killed, not only does she get killed, but obviously it kills the baby too. Because <laughs> people are sick. People are sick. No, people are just not sick. It's just that they knew that. I I think the I would go to see it. The rumor is is that they put that line in there after they found out the fan base would love to see Paris Hilton get killed off in a movie because everyone hated her so much. Exactly. So they threw that in there to make you feel guilty that you get to see Paris Hilton killed off, but you also are gonna have you know this baby which doesn't ever be shown. I mean she's pregnant, so there's no real baby yet. You know it's it's whatever it, just it makes is. It better. Yeah, it, it just better. it makes it like one of those things that's like would they do that in a movie? today would they kill a pregnant woman based on like an actress or a celebrity that is sure. insanely hated would they today sure. with everyone so sure. butthurt and offended by everything i would totally think that they would do that i don't know i just i don't think a big the studio would do that artist to push the envelope yeah and it keeps being pushed in ways that people are just butthurt every five minutes it's still a push you know it you can push for compassion, and then the art can actually rebel against it. That's part of the duty of art, is to make us think about these concepts. So we know that the girl is the killer, and she's like the... Well, at first it appears like the Grim Reaper, but then it's uh, Liz, revealed to be Lizzie Borden. It's a wax figure. She has visions of the killing. Is she having the visions because she's the killer, and she's just remembering it? That's what it... It, it seems like... At first, when you watch it, that it seems like these two people are connected. You know, this implement that is giving her the life is then imparting memories. And then it turns out she's the wax figure that's actually chopping up people. Okay, hold it's, it's, it's a little bit ambiguous, I think. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't know if she was, if that was happening. Now, they get the newspaper and murder at the carnival. Did you have a chance to look up where is the Daily Times published in what states? I did not do that one. Daily Times newspaper. Delaware comes up. Pennsylvania comes up. Two places are Delaware and Pennsylvania. Yeah. So okay. the show is either in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Chicago, or New York. <laughs> <laughs> I will get to the bottom of this because they're again they're in an episode where like they switch right over to New York and then the cast goes to that area. So it's like okay, then they got to be New York. But doesn't Delaware border New York? But doesn't Pennsylvania border New York? No, neither. Pennsylvania doesn't border New York? There's New Jersey in between. Oh. Well, that's still close enough. But Delaware... It is very close. Yeah, it is very close, so... It continues, the search to where the show actually takes place. Okay, so one of the things that uh, happens in this episode, which I find kind of interesting, is that every time 
uh, she, as the wax figure, Lizzie Borden, kills and then gets awakened up as the sculpted figure of herself, uh, the husband, Aldwin, he immediately, like, just wants to ravage her. He gets so turned on, and he just wants to have sex with her. And uh, when her memories start to come back, or start to, you know, come forth, and she's remembering some of these killings, it almost seems like it makes it even even a little bit more hot for him. Mm. And so I looked it up, and there is a, a fetish. Uh, it's called hybristophilia and it is the sexual arousal and the attainment of orgasm or sexual responses in contingent with being with a partner known to have committed an outrageous act so such as lying cheating infidelities rape murder robbery etc 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 so if you like to be with someone that has just committed a murder like a bonnie and clyde syndrome type of thing you might have hybristophilia. You're welcome. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> I guess I get that from what he was, you know, being all weird no, about stuff. No, he totally was all over her. Yeah, no, I, I understand he was all over her. I just didn't think it had to do with because she was killing people. I don't know. He seemed like that type of guy. He seems just crazy and kind of an asshole. Like, whenever she wakes up again, he's immediately on her, although he knows that she just killed people. Hashtag me um, too on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say to her if she doesn't die in a melting wax kind of thing at the end of the episode, which is basically what happens to her. Also, this is the first time, other than Uncle Lewis, somebody attacks our gang at the shop. Yeah. Nobody attacks anybody at the shop. Somebody might steal something. Those guys did break in. Don't forget, but that was still a vault. You know, that was uh, um, they. Uh, well, they were going after the vault. Yeah, they're going after the vault. So, but this is somebody who actually attacks Jack and Ryan at the store. You and know, shoots Jack in the arm. Yeah, and then Jack gets shot in the arm by somebody by the by the husband. It's like this is the first. This is really the first time they've had like a full frontal assault by the. Um, the object in question, uh, you know, coming after them right at their ho- right at their home base. Usually, mm-hmm. the shop is uh, their safe zone. Yeah, their yeah. safe place. They're 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 you know they're they are safe there. Whereas when they're out, they're more susceptible to getting killed by the object in question. Very true. Very true. And I still think it would have been better if it was Lizzie Borden's axe and not a handkerchief. I mean, really, the 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 axe would have made it. I don't know, more prolific. I guess, I guess. But I guess a handkerchief, you can just, you know, just put in a little Ziploc bag and just toss it into the vault. You don't need to, it doesn't need to take up space. You don't need to, you know, it's it's very easy. It's very small. Kinda yeah, like that the, vault is definitely out of room by now. Um, Sort of. I mean, they made that mention last season, but I just, you know, there's got to be more. There's got to be plenty of room in there. They're just going to shove everything. It's a vault of much holding. Just shove everything into a pile in the corner, you know? <laughs> And stick Vera, stick Vera right on top. <laughs> because oh. that was the other thing I was thinking about was like, well, I guess, you know, we'll get to it in the second episode, but they, they don't want two possessed dolls, you know. Because they already did a possessed doll. That was the kickoff of the entire series. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that uh, possessed doll does come back. Yeah. Um, Owen smacking his wife around? Hashtag me too. Sorry. That's just absolutely like, I don't care if she's real or not. You're still kind of an asshole. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of give a little bit of advice to all the people that are listening, signs of an abusive relationship, you know, are shown clearly within this relationship here. The jealousy, controlling behavior, unrealistic expectations, wanting her to work all day without a break, isolation. But the question you have to ask, Mr. Zeneca, is it an Mm -hmm. abusive relationship when she's not even real? She doesn't have a soul. She's not a human being. She's a figment of... Uh, she is She is no different than this box of cards in front of me. Or you know, if something gets sentience, therefore it then has an, uh, a, an ability to be able to be controlled and to be abused. So if something became sentient... If Johnny Five walked through the door and I would say that he is sentient, 
and that he should not be subjected to whatever abusive relationship he's in. It's in. He's a robot. I'm, I'm assuming that abusive relationship would be how the government uses him to kill people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would that would uh, apply. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you could say she's like the chick in Ex Machina. Yes. Yeah. If you haven't seen Ex Machina, for anyone listening, there is a um, it is a movie starring. Um, Oscar Isaacs, and he is the inventor of this super-duper hot sex bot. That's basically what she is. And he gets, like, one employee from his company to come live with him and to test her out. To, you know, literally feel her out. And I'm not joking, because he asks the question, yes, you can fuck her. She has a vagina. She has, like, sensors built inside down there that she would, you know, get pleasure from. Yep, yep. So, and she, like, she, you know, she gets a mind of her own and takes over at the very end. So, <laughs> I mean, Now, imagine if one of these real dolls... Sex what? Imagine if one of these real dolls, uh, the ones that now have the, you know, the the mechanics and the machinery in them, and they can do the suction motion with the vagina and all that, uh, they displayed one at a convention. It got broken in a single day. Imagine if one of those became sentient, and that's basically the situation that we have. That's basically like a lot of anime. They have like sentient robots that go crazy, and then they, um, you know, they 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 mutate for some reason into like some hideous creature. Um, it's the plot line of a cartoon of an anime called Bubblegum Crisis, and they uh, one robot is told to uh, lick his boot because she's a shitty waitress. So she gets down there and starts licking the boot, and he walks away. And the robot's continuing to lick the boot, and then it starts, like, mutating for, because of oh, bad wow. programming. Yeah, they all mutate into monsters because... Because um, people are monstrous? Well, because they're just... They're, I mean, through the course of the show, you find out they're, they're all faulty program. You know, somebody's been hacking them and turning them into monsters to, uh, you know, take over Tokyo. And, mm-hmm. uh... I mean... The I'm not familiar are... with this media. What? I'm not familiar with that show. Okay, the uh, it's an anime. the oh. the cart the robots that we're talking about that the Japanese have developed to be based they're they're sex bots that are only built to be a sex bot because mm-hmm. you can't find a real woman to fuck so you're gonna build a you're gonna buy a you know whatever they cost a million dollar robot to have sex with and uh, if you are spending a million dollars on a sex robot and you can't get sex. Nevada is open. You know, there's no way that you should be spending a million dollars to have sex because there are definitely sex workers available and they should be treated with respect for the job that they do. These robots aren't cheap. And if you have the money to be able to buy one, you're telling me you can't find a a vapish gold-digging woman to have sex with? I mean... You're in the relationship because you know you're giving her money and she's only with you because of your money and she's having sex with you because of her your money, which basically also makes her a prostitute because once the money's gone and you stop spending money on her, she stops having sex with you. And not so much prostitute, but definitely kind of a sex worker of sorts. Yeah, some kind of sex worker of sorts. Um, this is also going on in a tangent that I have to edit. So, I'll I'll find somewhere to to uh, to cut most of this conversation. It's, just, it's kind of <laughs> going off to itself. It just yeah, it just kind of goes off into itself. All right, so that is pretty much it for this episode about uh, killer wax figures. Um, we're gonna take this a bit. Episode, this episode had four deaths. All decapitations. Unless you actually count five for the sentience. Yeah, and mostly decapitations. Yeah. So, all right, okay. so we're going to take a bit of a break and play the promo for the next episode. We'll be back on the Dead TV podcast. It's showtime. And they really knock them dead on Friday the 13th. Dead body found in an alley. This is one dummy with a mind of his own. Don't we have something better to do? A mind for murder. This is more than a coincidence. He's a tough act to follow if you survive. What are you so scared of? Just a wooden dummy. Terror comes to life. <laughs> And you can't hide on Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, take a stab at fear. And we're back for episode 8 of Friday the 13th, the series. 
Mr. Zeneca. Yes, I'm uh, here. Okay. I couldn't hear you. Okay. Go on with the episode uh, name, title, and stuff. Okay. All right. Uh, read My Lips. It is episode 8, season 2. Originally aired November 21st, 1988. A ventriloquist dummy becomes a vessel for evil when it comes to life and demands that his master commit murder. And in this episode, we have... Uh, why? A spooky ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, hold on. I don't have the episode. I don't have the right um, people in front of me. Read my lips. Um, directed by Francis Delia, who we we we've talked about him before. Um, he directed uh, Symphony in B uh, B, B sharp? sharp. Yeah. So he just he was just the director of the previous episode we did, and he'll be on for the Butcher and Femme Fatale. So and he's uh, he is still alive today. So again, somebody else I mean, that we could try and uh, track down. Peter Latterman, um, who directed sorry, who was the writer of uh, uh, Wedding in Black, an episode coming up soon. He was also worked on a bunch of TV series I have never seen before. I <laughs> always um, look love looking at someone's IMDb list and going. I've never seen any of this, and I watch so much TV and old television that I don't know what any of this stuff is. Uh, oh, you watch way too much TV, and and uh, th- there is a lot out there that we haven't seen as a collective. Yeah, Angela Stye, uh was the other writer for the episode. She was the uh, Angelo Angelo, so maybe he, excuse me. He was the set decorator for films like Serendipity, Dracula 2000, and Videodrome. And hmm. again, according to IMDb, still alive today. But the last thing he worked on was uh, uh, Dracula 2000. Huh. Wow. Yeah. And then we got like four cast of characters in this episode. We have uh, the most famous of them all is uh, who plays our kind of our main character, Edgar Van Horn, Billy Drago. Billy Drago. Yeah, he was actually I remembered him from The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. as John Bly. Yeah, that's right. Um. Weird thing is that IMDb does not list him as being dead, and he died a few years ago. Oh, he did? Yeah. Aww. Yeah, he died a few years ago. That, As far as I was aware, but I, I, I'm confused because he's got, like, stuff in pre-production on his IMDb, but I swear yeah. to God. Well, I mean, you can have posthumous productions out, you know? I swear to God, Billy Drago died... Well, we'll have to look that one up. No, he's still uh, alive, actually. I just looked it up right now. Huh. He is still alive today. And I'm like, I swear to God I heard that Billy Drago died. And Well, you know, to be fair, you know, I also thought that John Leguizamo died a long time ago. Oh. And a few years ago, I put two and two together that he was still doing Ice Age. I'm like, oh, shit, he's he, still alive. Yeah, no, he's still alive. Um, Billy Drago was on Charmed. He was on The X-Files. He was, Again, he, as you mentioned, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. He was in The Untouchables. He's a creepy, creepy actor. He's got a creepy, creepy voice. Really cool actor. God, I would love to have him on this show or any show. But, I, God, I had no idea he was still alive. That's crazy. But the last thing he was in was in 2014. So that's what made me think that he was dead because it's been like four years, and he has steadily worked his entire career starting in 1979. But for the last four years, nothing. And that's what made me believe he was dead. Huh. So, well, you know, hopefully it wasn't some sort of medical ailment that kept him from working. Well, he always looks sick in everything he's ever done. He does, that's the thing. he does. I mean, that's what got him his role, his very recognizable face. And very recognizable voice, too. So, um, The actor who plays I mean, Travis Pluckett, who is the uh, obsessed fan, um, uh-huh. he is also still alive, according to IMDb. But uh, best known as playing Radu in Transylvania 65000. Do you remember him in uh, as a? Do you remember him in that? Uh, I think I do. Yeah, he was <laughs> the. Uh, the movie. Yeah, Transylvania Six Thousand. Uh, he was also on uh, Silk Stockings, and he was in a couple of the uh, Pink Panther movies, and he was in the Black Cauldron. Oh yeah, and uh, wasn't he also in Soap? Yes, he was in Soap, and Get Smart, which I'm currently rewatching right now, and I. That that show was uh, pretty good for its time. Get smart. Yeah. Starring yeah. Don Adams. Love that one. 
Um, Gabrielle, which is Mickey's friend in the episode, played by Linda Griffiths, she passed away in September 21st, uh, 2014. Um, she was in several of the Rin Tin Tin movies and on the original Empire, which has nothing to do with the current Empire, which is currently on Fox, uh, mm-hmm. which is about the rap industry. <laughs> um... And uh, who am I leaving out? Oh, Oscar, of course. Uh, the guy, uh, the voice of Oscar, and the person who plays the version of Oscar that comes to life is little guy Ed Gale, best known for being um, Howard the Duck in Howard the Duck. And that was his first role, wasn't it? Yes, it was. He was also one of the dinks in Spaceballs, and he ding, was. Ding. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was in, he was the stunt double for Chucky in Child's Play, the first one. Nice. Um, nice. He's also one of the stations in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Huh. Um, and he played Tasha in the 1992 revival of Land of the Lost. Uh, and, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to leave this out. He was one of the hooded dwarves in Phantasm 2. Oh. Okay. Yeah, bit parts on television series such as, again, Mutant X, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, a bunch of crappy Christmas movies, and, uh, again... Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, there's not a lot of roles for little people available. No, but uh, there are... I think Peter Dinklage is actually one of the longest... Uh, or uh, Most booked little people of today with the Game of Thrones series. Well, yeah. That really won, exploded uh, his popularity. He won an Emmy for that. Yep. So getting into the episode, um, after going through the uh, IMDb list of all these great actors, um, again, Billy Drago, if you ever listen to this, sorry we thought you were dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> it opens up with Drago doing his ventriloquism uh, with Oscar the Dummy. Edgar the Dummy. Edgar the Dummy, I'm sorry, right? No, Oscar the dummy. Oscar the dummy. Edgar is Edgar is the ventriloquist. Oscar is the dummy. Oscar kills somebody, and we think it's the dummy that's being that's possessed. Right off the bat, you think it's the dummy. Um, Mickey and Ryan are cataloging stuff, and Mickey gets a letter that Gabrielle, her friend, who is Edgar's fiance. Oh, gee, the. Uh, main female character, side character, is gonna marry, you know, the killer and is one of the friends of one of our cast of characters. What a shocker. Um, how coincidences work out. Uh, they want to go to the performance of the ventriloquist act. Zach, uh, Zach, uh, Jack is cataloging and trying to find Nazi war memorabilia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and basically the whole Nazi tie-in is exclusively having to do with this boutonniere, the silk flower, uh, has been passed through this Nazi control and and the belief that this flower, uh, wearing this flower would prevent someone from dying or bring things to life, that type of thing. Oh, yeah, we also forgot uh, to bring up the object in question last uh the for the last episode if you happen to own one but i mean i've owned a handkerchief i think you own handkerchiefs yeah there's uh, handkerchiefs around okay. it's such a common object i, I didn't think it was and that's probably mentioned. why it didn't come to mind so much as like the wood chipper did um yeah, yeah. and uh I, but i've never owned a boutonniere unless it's like the same thing i'd get when i go to prom or i would give yes. them my date sorry yes. i would get that when i go to prom she would get the thing on her wrist right yeah, the corsage goes on the wrist. The boutonniere goes on onto the lapel of the jacket. Uh, I do have a boutonniere uh, that was a souvenir from when my partner was a uh, uh, best man. Gotcha. From his brother's wedding. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Brass. Um, I've but, been to uh, antique stores, by the way, that have uh. I've been to antique stores that have not a case filled with Nazi memorabilia. Really? Yeah. They're, I mean... It is, a, it is quite big. It is quite big. It's a huge um, market for them. And you can go on eBay and buy Nazi memorabilia. There's no law on eBay saying you can't sell or buy World War II souvenir items. Only in Germany. Uh, Yeah, they might be banned in it, Germany. I think. Is, yeah. I, I think most of Germany has basically... Uh, 
taken away, with the exception of like textbooks or in the library, because then that would basically just be doing exactly what the Nazis uh, wanted to do, um, destroying history uh, and burning books. Other than books in the library or in bookstores, there is no... Like, There's no, no glorification of it. No, but I did speak to somebody from Germany, and they said it's a big misconception that we don't talk, we're not taught about our history in school. We are taught about our history in school. We are told what we've done wrong, you know, what mm-hmm. our ancestors did wrong. It, it would be completely unethical for them to wipe that from our history books, you know, in, in middle school or, you know, whatever grade that you learn about World War yeah. II in. So yeah. um, I'm pretty sure they probably don't have you do a signed reading on Schindler's List, but... I digress. Um, but yes, there is at least three or four antique stores and Army-Navy surplus stores here in New England that sell Nazi memorabilia. Wow. Yeah, in a case. It's it's a little history case. It's a case filled with other items of history from the Korean War, World War II, World War One. So it's not just a case full of Nazi crap. It's not mm-hmm. a bunch of uh, alt-right junk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, just... You know, usually pins or maybe there is a flag in there with the Nazi, you know, the Nazi logo on it, and it's mm-hmm. got like a couple thousand dollar price tag on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my grandfather served in World War II and uh, nearly got killed because of it as a motorcycle courier. So um, there was never anything Nazi around my house, my family, mm-hmm. never. Just would not have that. But I, on the other hand. I do have a costuming book on the uh, uniforms of the SS Waffen. And I got it because studying the costume design and how to tailor certain things uh, in the types of wardrobes that they had uh, proved useful for making um, tailored coats of various other designs. Like, you know, any sort of background you can have on uh, tailoring aids to making other things. So I do have a very thick book on the SS Waffen costumes. Uh, this episode reminds me of ALF. Did you ever watch ALF? Yes. Okay, speaking of little guys, because there was a little guy in the ALF costume. Uh, mm-hmm. ALF was voiced by somebody else. Somebody who was involved with ALF died last year. It was either the voice of ALF. I think it was the voice. It was the voice of ALF died last year. The guy in the costume of ALF, I think, died a few years uh, ago. But uh, there was an episode of ALF where he gets a ventriloquist dummy and it creates like a split personality with an ALF and the Tanner family has to bring in the only, like one of the only two people who know who ALF really is, um, <laughs> his psychi- the psychiatrist that uh, he befriended before in a previous episode um, to help ALF get rid of the dummy because ALF is, you know, getting a split personality. Because that's basically the stereotypes of what happens with the ventriloquist. Uh, if you remember uh, Gabo from The Simpsons? Yes. Gabo! 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 Yeah. <laughs> Destroyed the career of Krusty the Crab, Krusty the Clown. <laughs> there is so many, uh, you know, TV tropes about ventriloquist dummies or puppets. And, I mean, you could go through all sorts of different incarnations of the demonic dolls. But to give you a little bit of an idea of the background of what started ventriloquism, it actually has its roots in the first century. Oh. Uh, so I have some information here. Uh, it dates back to about 150 AD, where uh, the first known kind of ventriloquist dummy was a linen snake with a human head on it. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, so it was more like a dummy, you know, being controlled. Uh, it wasn't as complex as, complex as like Jeff Dunham's, uh, Dunham's uh, puppets. But anyway, in the 16th century, uh, Christianity called it a practice from hell. Hmm. So the original purpose of these uh, was to commune with spirits, to uh, kind of put the spirit of a loved one or someone that you're trying to call into the body of the dummy, and then the person that would act as a medium that the uh, possessed would kind of uh, give their voice to the dummy and have this personality, so you'd have this conversation. So they are very linked with divination and uh, communication, and the the word that they used to also be called was ingastromyths, which literally literally means 
in stomach mouth. So, you know, mouth stomach sounds. Uh, people with demons in their stomachs who belched words out of their, their hosts. That's kind of what it was. So if you, if you think of this as an old tool for communicating with spirits and for looking at the future, for it to transform over time into being an entertainment uh, avenue in the 18th century, that transition still left that creepiness of what its original purpose was used for. So any ventriloquist, I mean, I don't care what it is, will always be looked at as suspect. Uh, to the majority of people, because if you have a ventriloquist dummy sitting on a shelf, I will tell you from experience that it will creep the fuck out of people. Doesn't matter if you ever touch it. Just leave it there on the shelf looking out, and it will creep the fuck out of people. And then, of course, there are many cases of possessed dolls. We've kind of gone over a lot of them before when we did the very first episode of this podcast. Um, but they weren't ventriloquist dummies. They were just regular dolls like Annabelle, uh, the yeah. the Raggedy Ann doll that's in the Warren house um, currently as we speak uh, below me in Connecticut. Um, the I think I think the current uh, ventriloquist doll that's in the media at the moment is Slappy from Goosebumps. Oh that's yeah, the one because that's in popular. Yeah, they got the new Goosebump trailer out, yep. which looks yep. ridiculous. Um, yep. So hey, I've got a ten-year-old. He'll love it. Uh, show her, show him the Monster Squad. Much better movie for children. Uh, and <laughs> they don't downplay the, uh, they don't dumb it down for children like I think the Goosebumps movie did. Um, the dead body is found in sixteen pieces. Wow, <laughs> a little overkill there. It is. It is. It it made me think that um, if there was some sort of reason that the body needed to be chopped up that tiny. But it's never explained. Mickey, uh, sorry, Van Horten goes to see a shrink, and the dummy tries to convince him to kill the shrink, but he doesn't. And then we switch to the wedding, and they're going to get married, which I was kind of surprised they don't quite get married. But uh, Mickey and Ryan go to the wedding, and Mickey looks pretty friggin' hot in that wedding dress. A little <laughs> bit inappropriate for a wedding, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it's the 80s. Yeah, why not? Uh, but she still looks... She looks better with her hair up than when it's down, I think. She just looks good overall. But I think we seem to say that almost every episode. Correct. Um, one thing I want to uh, try and remember to start doing is that I was looking up uh, just any information about this episode, and there isn't really. This was not a show to have a lot of articles about uh, per episode. But this episode has a rating of 7.0 on IMDb, which... I don't ever want to like take the IMDb ratings for as a, like for grant for uh, for what they are because I mean they, they like the Avengers Infinity War is on here and it has the same rating and you're just like what how does this have the same rating as like an episode of Friday the Thirteenth the series <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how those are calculated. It could be personal reviews. Uh, in this season, the first two episodes were like 6.6, 6.7. Yeah. And as we've gone on, they've been roughly about 7.0 to 7.3, 7.5, you know, right around that area. There's no user review on here, and I've signed no. in. There's just the star rating. So um, so the dummy starts talking during the ceremony, and, of course, the fiancé, Gabrielle, thinks that her husband, Drago, has gone crazy, and he gets locked up, but then the obsessed fan grabs the dummy and tries to pull off his own little act with the at the club using the same bad jokes. But my question is, didn't they... Why don't they go, hey, that's the dummy that, uh, that Edgar was using? Why does it take Ryan for them to, po for them to realize that? I think it's kind of allowed. You know, it, it's almost as if um, the, the headliner is a duo act. And if one of the members of the duo is now out of commission, then they'll just sub in someone. It's kind of more interesting because it is a ventriloquist act and you usually cannot replicate someone else's voices quite as accurately. Oh, okay. But it's if he just... did prove that he was able to man Oscar, then any you know agent would allow him on stage as being kind of a substitution. Now, this is the actor who played Radu in Transylvania 65000. Yes. Um yes. which uh got to remember to plug in some 65000 music when I mentioned it the first time. Uh I didn't find give myself a pause to do that, so I'll just do that with editing. Um 
he creeped me out this whole episode because he was like that fan that just constantly wouldn't go away. True, true. You know, and they kept they kept calling him kid. And it's like that guy's older than a kid. That you guy's know? older than everyone on the show. <laughs> yeah, like he—that's he, you know, mature guy, and you're calling it, "Hey, kid." Yeah, I know. It makes I know. me it makes me think the script was written for someone else. I think that I I, I believe so, but unless we have the writer or director from the episode on the show, we won't we won't know for sure. Um, Brian convinces Bernie, who's the manager, uh, to get the doll, and Bernie is killed for his trouble. Once again, do not work with Ryan or date Ryan. Um, <laughs> I hope John D. LeMay, if he uh, ever comes on the show, can take a good joke about, like, so what's your opinion on dating Ryan DeLion? Because <laughs> let's look at his track record. <laughs> don't befriend him. Don't date him. Don't be related to him. <laughs> he, he does get the bad... Bad luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least Rashid is still alive and Lloyd is still alive. So they, you know, Ryan's stepmother is still alive. Uh, they, 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 the, the Amish girl he left on the farm is still alive, as far as we're aware. You, you know. know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Ryan and Mickey are gonna wait for Bernie and Jack's call. Jack never shows up in this episode, by the way. This is a Jackless episode. Um, what is Chris Wiggins doing at the time he's not in these episodes? We need to ask somebody that worked on this show, why were there episodes where cast members... You have three primary cast members. It's not like you have the cast of The Big Bang Theory or something where everyone needs an arc in the episode, and that's 22 minutes. We're talking about 42 minutes here that you, you know, you have three primary cast members. And for some reason, there are some episodes, there's somebody missing. And it's like, why? Why was it written that way? Were they not available? Were they sick? Was there, Were they working on something else? And I can't believe they were working on something else because TV schedules are very strict and contracts are very strict. You commit to that show. It's why uh, um, Magnum P.I. actor Tom Selleck couldn't get out of doing Magnum P.I. to go be Indiana Jones. And this uh, is I don't know, maybe, you know, giving your actor a week off and planning your script schedule so to, to yeah. give some vacation time. And this was not an independent show. This was the same company that was making Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. They didn't have Star Trek The Next Generation's budget, clearly, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, somebody pointed out on Facebook on one of the Friday the 13th groups that uh, none of the episodes are in HD, and that's absolutely correct. So anytime we post an image to one of the groups or on the Radio Horror Facebook page or the Dead TV Podcast podcast Facebook page or on Reddit, the images are not going to be good. They're going to be grainy. A little bit pixelated. They're going to be grainy, they're going to be crappy, and they're going to be pixelated. The only good shots you're going to have are of the cast in their in the promo in the promos. That's because they probably had the negatives of those to clean up in case they ever released it on home video because home video was building up at the time. So yeah, you're, we're never going to have great, clear episodes of this show. I guarantee this is not going to be a show released on HD Blu-ray anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, 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 unfortunately. The reason I also bring that up is because this show has had several cast members who have appeared in animation, like Batman the Animated Series, and it was just renounced at Comic-Con. It's the time we're recording this, the San Diego Comic-Con is ending. Uh, Batman the Animated Series is getting a Blu-ray HD release. Woohoo! Yes, woohoo! This is awesome, and it's on Amazon right now for pre-order for a hundred and twelve dollars. You get all, uh, I think it's like almost a hundred episodes plus the two Batman animated movies, uh, Mask of the Phantasm and Sub Zero. Awesome! For a hundred and twelve dollars HD, hopefully loaded with bonus material in a beautiful looking box set. So, highly recommend checking it out. Again, the reason I mention that is because. Uh, shows that we've covered on the Dead TV podcast on Friday the 13th and, of course, Spawn the Animated Series had uh, the actor who played Sam uh, plays Harvey Bullock in the Batman Animated Series. You know, one of the uh, bonus features I hope is going to be on that disc is Mark Hamill doing the Joker voice and saying outrageous things. Um, that's on the I other one. listen he... to that voice all the time. Yeah, that's on the other one. The other, the, the, the DVDs had uh, interviews with him doing Joker stuff. Um, oh yeah. So okay. that would be interesting. Uh, but again, it's it was pointed out to me that uh, there is no HD versions of these episodes, and it's the only my only problem with this show is that it's really difficult to watch when it's dark. I was like, you're right. 
the grain is so bad on these DVDs. And there's nothing to be done about that unless you had the negatives and you're going to clean it up. And this is not a show anyone is talking about to do that with. Now, if they ever revive it, you know, do a remake, which, you know, everything's being remade. We got the Buffy the Vampire Slayer remake just was announced. Um, Maybe we'll see an HD version of the series, but you're going to have to sit with the DVD box set that you got for now. Yeah, yeah. Ryan finds a decapitated head in the refrigerator. Jeez, again, what did our guest say that this season was less violent? We've got people getting their heads chopped off. Decapitation's everywhere. It's everywhere. Unbelievable. Travis breaks in. Um, and actually, the uh, Oscar, the doll, is the one that uh, stabs. Travis. Yes, Travis. Yes, uh, as he's trying to kill Gabrielle, and he wants to become a a real boy, basically, because he becomes fully alive and running around, and it's just the actor playing him with a little bit of makeup on his face to give him a bit more of that stiff, wooden look to him with the lines and stuff. Um, Other than that, he's pretty much alive. He's like the deadly Pinocchio. Yeah, he's he's become the real boy, so he can kill. By the way, there is a horror movie called Pinocchio. (laughs) Oh, there is. Well, yeah. that's not surprising. Now, who did we say owns the uh, the flower that's used to bring the uh, to bring the uh, the doll to life? Uh, the doll. Uh, I'm sorry. The boutonniere used to belong to Hitler. It did. I don't remember them saying Hitler specifically. I believe I remember. I put it on my notes Hitler. Oh. Hitler. When he he wore it, he did not believe that he could be killed. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, it's part of that Nazi tie-in. Huh. Did we... Did they Did they say where the doll came from? No, the doll was actually kind of inconsequential. Hmm. Okay. That, that's the kind of funny thing. Is like, the, the, the dummy seems to have been... Sh- the cursed object, but in fact it's the boutonniere. So if you were to put this boutonniere on, like, uh, you know, put it in a vase, would it do something? If you put it in a, uh, attacked on a wall? Like, I mean, we don't really know the level of this cursed object. Is it just the power to bring things from a wooden state to life like Pinocchio? Or is it just give someone... Uh, everlasting life if they were shot? Who knows? Hmm, interesting. It's not really clear. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for that episode of Friday the 13th, the series. I thought both episodes were pretty good. Yep. Um, There's sometimes hits and there's sometimes uh, misses, but I thought both of these episodes were pretty good. Just too bad we didn't have all our cast in both episodes, but that was just kind of a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, and I... I, I think maybe I should post a, a little bit of a uh, snippet of my puppetry skills, my ventriloquism puppetry, puppetry skills. All right, we don't want to uh, frighten people away. On our Facebook page. <laughs> huh? I said we don't want to frighten people away now. No, I, I have an animal puppet that oh. is actually my partner's. It is uh, from 1978, and I can make it dance and do all kinds of things. All right. Uh, I'm not a ventriloquist, but I can do the puppet. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we will judge uh, harshly if it's badly. <laughs> ah, be kind. <laughs> um, no news on the Friday the 13th lawsuit. Uh, I try to give as many updates as I can. There's pretty much been nothing going on with that, mainly because this weekend Comic-Con was happening at the time we are recording this, so a lot of things were on break, other than the um, James Gunn thing um, for... Uh, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And, and then, of course, all of the news of all the new shows and, you know, the, you know, who all the CW characters are going to get their villains. Um, Halloween had a big panel, um, but uh, no, no Friday the 13th news at Comic-Con or anything like that. No, nothing to report on. So the lawsuit is still going on. Uh, that's pretty much it. So... You can check us out on the Dead TV Podcast on Facebook and at our individual Twitters at ChristySAV. And at Elegantly Kinky. And don't forget, if you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have a bunch of great tier items. Uh, even if you just want to donate a dollar uh, to the Patreon, that would be a big help, a dollar a month. 
that would be fantastic. At the two or three dollar, you get an item or so. You get a uh, there's they're they're all on Patreon. Go to Radio Horror on Patreon. If you go to the Dead TV Podcast Facebook page, there will be a link there um, that you can check out. It'll actually now I'm going to be at the top of the page. I'm going to be posting that to the top of the page. So check it out there. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Dead TV Podcast on the Radio Horror Network. Bye.